Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Are you ready for the word? Good to see you in church. You don't look defeated again. Amen. Why am I feeling like this looks like that week that God is about to do something in your lives? Hallelujah. I know somebody thought that the world is about to end because chat GTP is here, but God said, I am doing a new thing in your season. Hallelujah. The enemy had the chance to take us out in 2020, but see what the Lord has done. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I heard God said, better is a live dog than a dead lion. If there is life in there, I don't know if you are excited like me today. Buenas if you There is hope for a tree that has been cut. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm joined here with Joy in Joroge today. Hallelujah. Talk about the Lord doing a good thing. The Lord doing a new thing at Rivers Church, and together we will be sharing God's word. Are you ready for the word? Where is your paperback Bible? Where is your paperback Bible? Please get ready for the statement of belief led by Joy Joroge. Are we ready? Yes. Let's go. I am a winner and not a loser. I am, I am a, a victor, victor and, and not a victim. I have changed my mind and my attitude to reflect what God says about me. My faith is built on God's word. I can do all that God says I can do. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. For I am a new breed, a new kind, a remnant, and I am after my purpose. Let us go to the book of Judges. Chapter number 16 is our assignment this morning. And we want you to enter with us into this dramatic movie at the end. We want to start from the end, and I want us to read together from verse 18 to verse 21. And then Joy and I will read for you chapter 13, verse 1 to verse 8, as we make some notes as we go along. So Judges chapter number 16, we are going to read from verse 15. We're going to read from verse 15 all the way to verse 21. Are you ready? Yes, All right. Three, two, one, go. Just one, one stop, one stop. Can we do NIV today? Yeah, can we? Yeah, those yeses were many, yeah? Let's do, let's do NIV. Let's do NIV. You know when you hear a lady say, how can you say you love me? And you have deceived me. You want it to be in plain English. <laughs> so you can hear this thing well, well. Let's do NIV today or NKJV, whichever is faster. Okay, let's go.
Where is verse 22? Wait a minute. Go back that last verse. Uh-huh. Please go to KJV. You will shortly see. But why are you bringing these pool pictures? Joy, come here, come here, come here. What are these people? Joy is standing here. We are standing here together. I already sought permission from my wife. We are fine. Just remove this, your pulpit. Huh? Where is KJV? What has happened to the scripture? Because Joy, read here. No, we are, we are supposed to be in verse 22. Are we in verse 22? Uh-huh. Are you seeing? This NIV people, you see why we like KJV? Uh-huh. Look here. How be it? The hair of his head did what? Please say that loudly. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Keep that in view. His hair began to grow again. Maybe we can just prophetically begin by making a declaration that your hair must grow again. Amen. Your hair must grow again. I said your hair must grow again. Your hair must grow again. Hallelujah. What the enemy shaved last year. I don't know if I'm in church this morning. What the enemy shaved last year. May that hair begin growing again. In the name of Jesus. Judges chapter 16. I want to read here for you verse 13. I will read the first four verses. Joy will read for me the last four. And then we'll get into our sermon. Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and you will bear a son. Now therefore, verse 4. Now therefore, um, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Stop there. So before you sit down, I hope you see the vision of God. God comes and says that no razor shall be upon his head. What does the enemy do? Praise the Lord. God says, no razor. Look at your neighbor and say, God said. No razor shall come upon his head. What does the enemy do? Did you say the woman is a razor? <laughs> Are you ready to sit on your enemies? All right, sit on your enemies. Hallelujah. I am so excited. The book of Judges is sitting squarely on the book of Deuteronomy because the foundation of Judges is the laws of Deuteronomy. And in the book of Deuteronomy, God begins to give direction as to what must happen. And one of the clear directions in the book of Deuteronomy is a Hebrew principle called harem. Look at your neighbor, tell them harem. Look at them and tell them harem. You will talk to me, church. Harem, 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 which sounds like haram. 
Harem is the principle that says to destroy totally or to cut off completely. The charge of the children of Israel that God gave them Emmanuel was to utterly destroy the Philistines, the Canaanites at that time. It was to utterly destroy their altars. It was to utterly remove their culture. It was, come, it was to come to a place of separation. The book of Judges begins to deal with God's idea of how believers are to live in this world. It is Paul that said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, For what association is there between the temple of God and the temple of idols? He said, come out from among them and be thou separate. That's what he said. Because I have, re- I have bought thee with the price and have redeemed thee by the blood. But the children of Israel said what? They said no. Instead of coming out from among them, they began to entertain them small, small. And they started marrying each other. In fact, when you study the story of Gideon, do you know Gideon's father went and resurrected Baal's, uh, Baal's altar? Can you, imagine the, can you imagine the wickedness of the people who have been delivered by God? And God now raises judges for them. And judge after judge, these people, they completely harden their heart. And you begin to see the power of influence. God told us that our safety is in separation. And God now begins to do something new in the book of Judges chapter 13 that is extremely important. The first thing that happens here is that the angel of the Lord appears to Manoah. And no, he appears to Manoah's wife. And he tells Manoah's wife that there is going, you are barren. And you are going to give a child. You are going to have a child. And this child is going to be a Nazarite from birth. Now, the practice was, and this is important, the practice was that any Israelite would take the vow of the Nazarene or the Nazarite. That vow had three elements. And they would take this vow for a period of time. Nobody ever took this vow for a lifetime. Two things to note. Number one, they would take this vow. And it was for a period of time. Now, keep that in view. Now, what happens is the angel tells Manoah's wife, that thou shalt be with a child. Now I want you to think with me for a little bit that this is now God's vision. And he begins to give the dictates of God's vision. He says, one, you have been barren, but you'll be with a child. But when you have this child, this child will do three things. Number one, this child must not take alcohol. This child must not be intoxicated. The second thing he says is that this child must be far away from corpses. The child must not be near dead things. And then he says that this child, the hair must never be cut. That's the Nazarite vow. And the angel is clear of what happens. And then the wife goes and tells Manoah, I'm going somewhere. The wife goes and tells Manoah and tells Manoah, you know what? The angel of the Lord appeared unto me. And he told me that we are going to be with a child. And Manoah says, immediately Manoah says, we, they pray a prayer unto God. I'm now in around verse 4, verse 5, verse 6 there. They pray unto God and they ask God to send the angel again so that he may teach them how to raise the child. Are you hearing? Are you hearing me, somebody? Two things. The first one is that there is going to be miraculous birth. 
The second thing, Manoah says, I want you to teach me how I'm going to raise this child. Is it not interesting that God's vision requires God's dictates? That it is the, this is the first boy in the whole of Israel. In fact, when you study the Bible, Joe is about to start entering in there. When you study, the, you know, somebody was looking at me like, so this uh, combination preaching, why is it that you are talking, 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 and uh, Joe is not? I'm giving you people opportunity to see God's grace first as I give the introduction. Hallelujah. There are only three people in the whole Bible that took the Nazarite vow. The first one is who? Samuel. And the second one is who? John the Baptist. The third is Samson. Now, the thing about Samson's vow, Pastor Des, is that Samson's vow was imposed upon him. That it was not his decision. Listen to me. As long as you are not entering into an ordinary vision, you cannot utilize ordinary methodology. There are some of us who enter into sacrifice because of fasting. But there are many of us in this church who God is calling to a particular unique road because of what you are carrying. And the angel was clear and said, because of the kind of boy you are carrying, scripture says, and he will deliver Philistine. Because of the weight of the vision you are carrying, I want you, Manoah, and your wife to ensure that the dictates of the Nazarite vow is imposed upon this child. Listen to me and listen to me good. There's a certain way you must carry your vision. There are visions that you can be careless about, visions that are just, you know, in your village and visions that just concerns your fridge and visions that just, just concerns uh, what you will wear and what you will drink, the normal affairs of men. But there are things that God has called some of us to carry. And I sense some of them are in this church this morning. There is a certain way that that vision must be midwifed. God's vision requires God's methodology. God's vision, Manoah said... Please seek the Lord that he may send the angel again that we may be taught how to raise this child. There is a certain way that you can raise your vision that it will come to pass. And there is a way you can raise your vision and the vision will surely die. Now follow me closely. He says here is the heart of the message that he shall be Nazarite to God from the womb and he will begin to deliver out the children of Israel from the what? Philistine. That is verse number five. That is his purpose. And the day his purpose was revealed, that is the same day the enemy discovered that the boy Samson must be killed. Sometimes the warfare we are facing is an indication of what we carry. Why is it that nobody was trying to kill Manoah? Why is it that nobody was trying to kill Samson's mother? Why is it that nobody was interested in killing Othniel and the other judges? But when Samson arose, immediately the enemy arose. I remember when Isaiah began to speak. And Isaiah said, when, when the, is it Isaiah Samuel? It is Samuel. He said, when the Philistines heard that David was anointed, they rose against him. Every time there's an anointing upon your head, warfare will raise up. Amen. How do you know you're in the right marriage when all of a sudden challenges on every side? That is how you know God's hand is on that marriage because where the anointing is, the Philistines begin to raise up. And you see the boy Samson begins to come forth. But as he comes forth, he's coming to meet serious warfare. And there are five things that 
occurred in his life that would either make him or break him. And these five things is what we want to examine this morning. That what happened between he shall deliver the children of Israel to cut his hair, remove his eyes, throw him in the prison. Do you know that you will be used, you will be used. Whether or not you're going to be used is not a question. You're going to be used. The question is, will you be, will you be used to show how it works or will you be used to show how it doesn't work? Will you be an example of victory or you, will you be a warning to your generation? Let me say that one more time. Will you be an example in your generation, somebody this morning, or will you be a warning? Will you be an example artist where men can say that see this man of God, look at how he did. Why don't we package his life as a study and study how to rise? Or will men give examples of you as how not to do it? As to whether you will be used is not the question. Because God uses anything, including stones, including goats, including donkeys. God uses anything. But will you be a vessel unto honor? Or will you be a vessel unto dishonor? Samson rises up. Scripture says only one thing about him. He says, and the boy grew. That's it. And the boy grew. To give us the focus that it's not so much about how you grew but the decisions you must now take with where you are in life. Somebody said, you know, the way I'm like this is because, you know, growing up, things were tough, tough. Things were tough, tough. And, you know, and school was hard. And I was hungry all the time. And therefore, you must excuse me because of how I grew up. Shut up your mouth. The boy grew up. No, no, there is no attention given up, given to his growing baby. There is no attention given to the circumstances of his growing. Do you know why? Because there was already a prophetic word for him to execute. That he shall deliver. So instead of focusing on the boy grew and it was tough, he shall deliver Israel from the Philistines. In fact, scripture says he shall begin to deliver. Now hold that there for one second before Joy jumps in. Scripture says something else that is very interesting. When, when the angel was talking to Manoah, the scripture says that Manoah said, Thou hast spoken amazing things. May we offer to you a God, because thou speaks the words of the Lord. And then the angel said, Your food I refuse. Then Manoah asked, But tell us, what is your name? And he said, My name is too wonderful. My name is, actually, NIV says, My name is wonderful. And when you study that out, scripture says that this was actually a Christophany, which is the appearance of Jesus Christ before time. And scripture says they, they took the goat and offered the goat. And as they were offering the goat and the flames were going up in heaven, scripture says that the angel of the Lord disappeared in the, in the flames and ascended to heaven. And Manoah said, we have seen God and now we shall die. The story of Samson is so critical because it is the story of our lives. That there is great dreams in the inside of us. And we come out of high school with, I will change the world. You know those photos you took in high school and you are sure you are going to change the world. And you enter university and all of a sudden you realize, qua ground, things, things are different. 
You enter college and all of a sudden you realize qua ground things are different. But Jesus had to come and touch the story. Now, let me ask you a question. <laughs> if there is a man who should succeed, is it not is it not Samson? Now, can I show you the the ridicule of the 21st century church? Look at what happens. No wonder no wonder the Arthur made sure he didn't give this this wife of Manoah a name. After this powerful experience, Manoah's wife calls the kid Samson, which is a Canaanite god. Did you know that being in the presence of God is not a guarantee of anything? In fact, Satan is in the presence of God. Uh-huh. Scripture says, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went to the desert to be tempted of the enemy. Scripture said, and Satan was there also. And when Jesus was sitting in the evening meditating, who appeared to him? You can be in touch, but as Oedipo says, you must be in touch. What makes the difference is being yielded. How can you come from such a powerful experience with Jesus Christ? And then you name your son a Canaanite God. He's actually a God of the son, Samson. You are vision. And you are the visionary must agree that we can be in the presence of God but it's not a guarantee that we are aligned with God. Ask your neighbor, are you aligned this morning? Are you aligned this morning? Are you aligned? Are you aligned this morning? That is why Paul wonders of a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. When you enter into the presence of God, please, baby, make sure you are yielding. And when you scam the life of Samson, there are five things that begin to undo him and bring him to a place of embarrassment and to a place of shame. Do you know Samson, his hair did grow back and we will come to that. But his hair grew up after being molested by the enemy. You know, some of us, we will make heaven, but we will make heaven very tired. You reach, but you'll be very exhausted. Things that obedience could have removed you from. There are five things that if you can begin to deal with, you will enter into a place of and Samson will deliver Israel. Scripture says that Samson would get angry quite often. What does that mean, Joy? So um, just go with me to Psalms, uh, uh, chapter 14. Samson chapter 14. Eh? Psalm, uh, no, <laughs> Judges chapter 14. And the story of Samson, the story of Samson resonates so much with our lives. So much with our lives. And as Pastor Stan has said, I mean, just because the word has been spoken does not mean you will make it to accomplish it. The word has been spoken over his life, but is he living in accordance to that word? And I'll give you a bit of a recap. So from, verse four, from chapter 14, Samson is walking from Timna. He went down to Timna and he saw a wife from the Philistines. Mm. He saw a woman. And the Bible says that he liked her. Mm. So how are you liking someone who is of your oppressor? One of those ones who is meant to oppress you. Mm. 
And these were hard times for the Israelites. And God has already spoken that he's sending a person called Samson. He's sent, he has already spoken about the purpose of Samson. But here he is, he's mingling, he is liking, he is liking a person from the oppressor side. And then it continues and he talks about um, Samson uh, liking her. Then he goes and tells his parents, I have liked someone. I want her for a wife. And his parents look at him and say, Katiahawa Wote. Out of all the people that we have, how could you not find even one? Can you imagine? Even and one. I had them say, you know, the problem with you pastors is that you don't understand love. I will pray for them and they'll get born again. I will lay hands on them. I will pour anointing oil. Mm. And then when they shave your head is when you begin to realize, Banange, it was the enemy's girl. <laughs> that not only did he look at the enemy, but he invited the enemy to his bed. He liked. Liked. He looked at the enemy and liked. And then he's telling his parents, and his parents are telling him, can't you, how come you've not found anyone amongst us? And he says, no, go get that one. She's the one I want. And then on a random day, this Samson has a funny life, eh? On a random day, he's going to look for her, and a lion just jumps out. And the Bible says that with his bare hands, he gets the lion, tears it apart, like a lamb. On, the day, on his way to Katia someone, Yes. <laughs> He tears it apart. And then on his way back, he looks over at this carcass. And no, it is not filled with worms as you would expect. Honey. Honey is inside the carcass. And then he still goes back and he continues and he says, and, and his parents went down. And he doesn't tell his parents. He gets some honey and he shares it with them and he does not tell them. And then this is what happens. They send him 30 people for his wedding. Now it's his wedding day already. And these are 30 Philistines coming to his wedding. And then he tells them, he shares this, this riddle, and, he, and now he's feeling, hey, you know, I know something that I did. And he shares out of the eater something to eat. And out of the strong something sweet. And he tells them, if you're able to get this riddle right, then you will, I will give you 30 tunics, 30 clothes, 30, 30, yeah, 30 tunics, linen garments. linen garments. And they are toiling and they are wondering, what is this thing? And then they go to their wife and then they coerce and tell her, you must get this answer for us. Did you invite us to your wedding that you will take away our clothes? And then she goes and she cries again. Same thing as Delilah. She goes and says, you do not love me. Are you seeing a prediction of the future church? Hallelujah. This was like trisex warfare. But are you seeing this thing? At the end, it is the same thing. If you love me, why is it that you're not revealing these things to me? And Samson, because of foolishness and lack of revelation, he's playing with the enemy. The enemy is even revealing his tactic that I will use a woman. How many of us are currently playing this game? Hallelujah currently playing this game there is something you're playing with which is actually a picture of your destruction mm. 
And because the stakes are not high and the intensity is not as high, there is a temptation or there is a deception to, uh, as it were, play with it. And then what begins to happen is remember, remember, remember that he's currently, his force is no razor on his head. His force is no alcohol on his tongue. His force is don't come near corpses. But what does he do? He begins to eat from corpses. And he takes honey from this dead lion, as Joy said. And begin to justify, and you know, because he knows what is happening, he doesn't reveal it to his parents. And how many of us have said, you know, you people, you talk about holiness, you talk about sanctification, you talk about separation, but those are very difficult things. For me, I just want to listen to Classic 105. Sometimes he has very good ideas, and you subject your destiny to feed from dead places. That places of death, places that spew poison, have become our source of nourishment that you eat death for breakfast and you eat death for lunch and you are shocked that you died at night. The devil is alive. Just look at your neighbor and ask, neighbor, neighbor, is that you? Are you eating from dead places? Are you eating? Are you eating from dead places? Are you eating from dead places? Are you eating from dead places? Somebody said, the reason why my marriage works is because I have a side chick. Okay. <laughs> and then these people play him. So this wife... Do you, do you really love me? Tell me, what does this riddle mean? Mm. And of course they tell her. And then they, they threaten her and they say, we will kill you and your father. And quickly, she, and, and quickly she goes and she cries. And the Bible says seven days she cries. And then because he is tired of it again. Did you see? It was the death of him. Now he is tired of all her crying. And he tells her, this is what it is. The, how, what else can be as? strong as a lion and what can be sweeter as honey and he has revealed it and she goes and she tells them and they come and they tell him and now he has to go and get this garment and Samson who is Samson he gets angry he is vexed in his spirit mm. he does not even seek the Lord in fact the Bible says he was boiling, boiling. he was bo Pastor Doug, he was boiling yams with his anger <laughs> he was boiling he was boiling boiling can you imagine Scripture says that he was boiling with anger. And he goes where? To Ashkod. Now you know that this, this, was, this, city, this was a confederacy of about five cities. So that was Gath, Ekron, Ashkod, Gaza, Gath, and so on. So he goes to Ashkod. And what does he do? Out of his anger, he murders 30 people to come and pay the debt of deception because his wife deceived him and now he owes this, he now owes these garments. Ain't it interesting that anger will cause you to pay debts you didn't take? Hallelujah. People who are driving, are you here? Mm. Have you ever <laughs> experienced Kenyan drivers and somebody enters you and you're like, you, 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 bless you. I was about to call you an astronaut. <laughs> and there's this anger that brings him to a place. And scripture says, he said that that which you have done to me, I will do to you. See this manner of unbridled anger. And that begins to become one of the things that Samson must deal with. 
he must deal with his anger. What is the scriptural position of anger? Do you know, Bible actually says that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It means every time you are walking in anger, you are killing the life of God in you. He didn't call us. Please go to the book of, is it Ephesians chapter 4? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I want to show us something here. Ephesians chapter 4 from around verse 26. He didn't say, is being angry a sin? Look at what the scripture says. Be angry and sin not. Go to NIV, please. The issue is whether it's not whether or not you get angry, but what do you do with the feeling of anger? Look here. Be NIV, please. In your anger, do not sin. That God is saying, I do understand that sometimes wrath will boil in the inside of you. But what do you do with that wrath? What do you do with that wrath? There's a proverb you showed me, please. Could we go there? Proverbs chapter 16, verses 32. The Bible says that whoever is slow to anger, just get it for us. Proverbs, yes. Better a patient, um, please give it to us in the King James Version. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Who was more mightier than Samson? But that, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And this was, I believe, the beginning of his downfall. This was the fall of Samson that he became unruly. He did not follow with what the Spirit of God said. He goes and he kills 30 Philistines. And now he is delaying. He's not finished his wedding season. Then he comes back. And when he comes back, he finds his wife has been given to his best friend. Double Can you imagine? Trouble. Now his wife is given to his best friend. What does he do next? He takes foxes. Tell you about foxes, baby. Foxes. Ties them. Lights their tails on 300 fire. foxes. Burns the whole crop. See anger. Burns the whole crop. Guess what happens? The Philistine says, oh, you've burnt our crop. We are going to burn your wife and her mother. Anger has a way of making you pay debts you did not take. Yesterday, we, my wife and I went for, we went for an event, for, for, for we, let's call it an errand. Is that a safe word? A family errand. And we were having conversation with these people who were serving us there. And as we are having this conversation just around, okay, so what happens here and so on and so forth. And we are being given very interesting wisdom about specific, about, spe this story is very hard to tell, love, without your permission. Should I text you there? You know, ever since I got married nowadays, I don't give examples. <laughs> I, don't give, I don't give examples so quickly. But back to the story. So this man, what happens? They, they, they kill the wife's mother and they kill the wife. You are paying more debt than you envisioned yourself paying. And now he's at a place where he is driven not only because of his vision and ambition, but now he's being driven by his anger. So this person in, in this place we were talking to said, you know, so I said, so how's your family? How's he? Say, you know, these this stupid men, I don't know what's wrong with men nowadays. I say, what's happening? He said, you know, I didn't tell, I didn't tell him goodnight two weeks ago and he's not talking to me until now. Hey! See anger. 
didn't tell me good night. Now the person is mad completely. And two weeks later, they're not talking. That anger has a way of destroying even that which God called blessed. Hallelujah. I was wondering, aren't these the same people who said for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health? They should have said also, make sure you say good night. See the arrogance of anger. Praise the Lord. Every time we come out of our sanctification, we open up ourselves to all manner of attacks from the enemy. God said, this boy, this vision must be separated. You said, no, this vision must have a Palestinian wife. This vision must have a Philistine wife. This vision must drink sweet things from dead places. This vision must indulge. What's wrong with a, with, with a little indulgence? And see the results. Now he's without wife and the wife that was given to his brother has been consumed by fire. Anger begins to boil up. Ecclesiastes says something about, the, about anger. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 9. Scripture says that anger lodges in the heart of fools. You know what a lodge is? It, it, it lives there. That anger is an expression sometimes of foolishness. Because it is Nigerians that said that your anger cannot boil a pot of yam. <laughs> it says it lodges in there. Do you know that three world leaders were dethroned because of anger? The, the first one was Muammar Gaddafi, one of the best African leaders from facts. I'm not a politician, no. From facts. If you look at the, the housing levels in, in, in his country, if you look at the currency strength in his country, if you look at the infrastructure in his country, if you look at his vision, if you examined Muammar Gaddafi's green book of development, he was one of the most progressive leaders of our time. What removed him from power? Anger. That one day there were 21 university students in Tripoli and he decided to open life fire to them because he did not want, and that was his downfall. The second, the second world leader who came out of, out of power because of anger, the prince, the prince of Middle East, Saddam Hussein himself, loved from inception, very progressive, very developmental. In fact, it is Americans bloggers who said that finally the Middle East is in good hands. But because of anger and the determination to take other people's territories and to be superior no matter what, caused him to start the Gulf War in two or three. And that was the beginning of his fall. Anger is an, is, is, a, is an arrogant thing that removes and robs men of destiny. And the firstborn child of anger is bitterness. When anger has found its place in your heart, it transitions to bitterness. Anger is a momentary emotion, but bitterness is for life. Now you say, I hate Emmanuel. What did he do? I can't remember. I just know I hate him. Because hunger has fizzled out, it has now entered into bitterness. Then bitterness has a cousin called resentment. And before you know it, you are flesh-driven. That I love you with the love of Christ, but... What anger is in your heart this morning, baby? Ask your neighbor, what anger? What anger are you? Do you have anger? Do you have bitterness? Do you have resentment? And the problem with this is that Instead of giving you the power you seek, it is removing you from the destiny you are ordained for. 
What is the first result of anger? As Joy, we come to the number, number two point. The first result of anger is what Samson said, I will do to you that which you did unto me. But God said, vengeance is mine. The problem with believers is we think that vengeance means God will revenge for you. Or God will kill your enemy. Let me ask you a question. God had vengeance on the brothers of Joseph, but were they killed? Vengeance is, when you say, when God says vengeance is mine, Naomi, good to see you in church. When, when God says vengeance is mine, what he's basically saying is, I want you to forgive you, I want you to forgive quickly so that I can settle you. Because vengeance is God settling you. Your enemies are destined, he says, he prepares a table before me. Where? Vengeance against the brothers of Joseph was them coming to him when he was the prime minister of Egypt. The vengeance of God established Joseph. So every time an opportunity of forgiveness is really an opportunity of entering establishment. Of late I've been making a prayer, oh God, bring people who will offend me so I forgive them. That you may take vengeance and establish me. Who are you carrying in your heart this morning? Ask your neighbor, who, who are you carrying? Who are you carrying? Who are you carrying? And especially couples, look at each other and say, are you carrying me, baby? Baby, are you? Please release me. God wants to establish you right now. Hallelujah. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. But he, ha he who has a hasty temper exalts foolishness. Foolishness. That is Proverbs chapter 14, verses 29. When you are slow to anger, you have great understanding. Because when you, in your hastiness, it is very easy to remove everything that had been built. Mm. The word had been given, it had been spoken, but now anger is tearing him apart. And he goes ahead and, and, he, and he kills, and he, you know, he gets 300 foxes and he burns the fields. And then he goes and runs and hides, and he goes into hiding. As if that is not enough. They all ask, uh -huh, who has done this? Who has done this kind of a thing? And they say, no, 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 it's because it is Samson. All right. So 3,000 men go up to the mountain to try and get him down. And they tell him, we will bind you and hand you over to the Philistines. And he agrees. And he says, as long as you do not kill me. And he goes down and he is handed over. And then the Bible says again, the Spirit of God comes over him, and with a jawbone, his anger is rekindled yet again. Mm. And he kills a thousand men with a jawbone. And this is where, you know, you, you're asking, what was it all about? For him to have walked all this, like his parents have heard from the Lord, he has grown up, and then now, here he is. A thousand men he has killed. All of a sudden. With the jawbone of a donkey. With a jawbone of a donkey. And are you realizing that every other judge was dealing with the things of the children of Israel, except Samson. He had his own agenda. For him, he was like, I am the one who has been wronged. I am the one who has been bound. I am the one whose wife has been stolen. It is me, me, I, I. Every time you are self-first, forget about the dream of God. Because the dream of God will push you to a place where I is in the back seat. One of the quickest keys of discovering purpose 
is that purpose has to do with other people. It has nothing to do with self-promotion. And at every step, Samson was not getting this idea. And for him, it was anger. It was revenge. I want you to see something that the enemy did here that is very interesting. That what the enemy did, he brought him to a place of anger. And there was division in the camp. That 1,000 Israelis came and told him, boss, calm down. We are taking you to the enemy, ourselves. We are handing you over. Remember, this same guy was the one who was supposed to deliver them. But now they want to hand them over to the enemy. Every time we are in anger, we are literally causing separation in the body of Christ. Because what will begin to happen is, Pastor Kev, me, I'm angry with Mbaji. So how can you be smiling with Mbaji yet we are friends? So I want to push you also, you to be. And before you know it, everybody is angry with everybody. And there is suspicion. That is why we try to break it by saying, hug your neighbor. And break that anger. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you? What, are you, what, anger, what is anger doing? What kind of games is anger playing with you this morning? And where anger is, pride is very close. Hallelujah. Because anger's voice is, you wronged me. Me, I'm the, you wronged me. Anger, anger's voice is, how could you do that to me? You can do that to anybody else. But how could you th do that to How could you call me? <laughs> me. You call me. Uli nita mimi. Kweli nani nilitulia. Sinilisema niwewe. Nilikuitawe. Mimi. And pride comes in. And the assignment of pride, <laughs> the assignment of pride is to ensure you never rise. Because he says that let he that thinks he stands watch lest he falls. Where pride is, pride is a letter from the future saying you're about to fall down. In fact, pride guarantees your failure. Anger comes in and courts you. And you start playing with anger small, small. Then pride comes in and takes you over. Paul says, remember, the system of the kingdom is dominance or possession through taking steps. Is it not? He said, where, the, where your foot will step, there I will grant you. Yes or no? Yes or no, church? Aha. Uh -huh. But Paul comes and says, that watch lest anger become what? A foothold. That means you are trying to take steps, but anger is holding your foot. You can't move. So Pastor Doc is talking about financial management for couples, but you cannot restore your marriage financially because you are still angry. It's a foothold. Ask your neighbor what's holding your foot. Can't move forward. That the Spirit of God wants to convict you to begin bringing some value into your business for acceleration, but you're angry at the boss. And because you're angry at the boss, pride tells you, you are so valuable, wait for the boss to approach you. You have even forgotten without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the greater. You have forgotten the organogram of the business. You know the organogram of the business is usually like a pyramid. Pride tells you, Gidi, that no, UMD, seek me out at the backside of the office. It is UMD to write me an apology letter, not me. You who, who, you who pays my payroll, it is you to seek me out. 
Are you seeing how arrogance sabotages the doors that God has opened? Hallelujah. Did God open a door? Yes! He says he will do what? Deliver the children of? Then what does he do? Him himself, he needs what? That you begin a race does not mean you will finish. That God has spoken does not mean you will rise. There has to be active participation. There has to be separation. There has to be carefulness. That we are sensitive enough to come to the dreams. This is about dreaming again. Hope deferred naked the heart sick. Sometimes the reason why we are beaten down is because our dreams are not in view. But what has blinded our eyes is not that there is no dream. What has blinded our eyes is anger and bitterness and resentment. And then it finds expression in pride. How do we deal with pride, Joy? How do we, how do the we Bible deal with says pride? That Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18. Pride goes before destruction. And indeed... A laughing spirit before a fall. So where pride is, there must be a fall. destruction is guaranteed. Church, are you seeing that? Where pride is, what is guaranteed? Where pride is, when you come to the pre-marital class of Pastor Doc at Rivers Church, one of the things they talk about conflict resolution is communication. And communication finds expression is vulnerable. It finds its expression in vulnerability. And you cannot be vulnerable if you are proud. Because it will be you wronged me, therefore it is you to. You see the way people are finishing for me that statement. It is you to come. But pride goes before destruction. Where pride is, that is the home of destruction. Except God be a liar. Kill pride today. I said kill pride today. Hmm. Joy. And this man, so despite him being called, Growing with a purpose. So many of us are struggling just to know what is my purpose, Lord. This one, it's already been set for him. But now anger and pride are grabbing his very life. And he's up at the mountain and then he comes down and he kills a thousand. And then arrogantly, he says, Lord, this is the two times. He, two times Samson prays. Two times. And the prayer is, God, I'm thirsty. Give me water. <laughs> I am thirsty, I want water. Pride. Because I'm thinking, I mean, surely, if it has been spoken over you, Pastor Kev, you will be careful to seek after the Lord to know how to use this mighty strength you have. But this man does not even pray. He knows he's the strong guy who can kill a lion. He got it. He can kill a thousand men with a job on, but pride comes so fast and it destroys him. And 20 years go by after this, this part. 20 years. Nothing. We do not hear about him. Nothing. And then now he is walking and then he goes to a harlot's house. In fact, scripture says, and he arose and went to Gaza. Gaza was Mombasa. It was at the beach. And he went to Gaza. Mombasa Raha. Now once he, Mombasa Raha. Mm. And now remember Solomon said something that there are a couple of things that the Lord hates. One of them is feet that learn to. You know, there's an oops sin and there's a planned sin. I don't know where you are. So he, he rose up and went to Gaza. He budgeted for. He, went, he rose up and goes to Gaza. Now, Gaza deals with the real meat of the stuff. 
When you get to chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, is it verse 1? Scripture says, and the enemy knew. <laughs> the enemy knew that Samson is in Gaza. Do you know what they said? They said, we will not attack him at night, but we will surround the Harold's house and attack him when? In the morning. Listen, listen to me. When you are in your concealed season, do every effort to make sure you're not in a harlot's house. Because as joy comes in the morning, so does warfare. The enemy does not attack a building that has not been built. Lady of God, Anna, the taller the building, the louder the third. So, weeping may endure for an... Joy, we are waiting for joy to come in the morning. But also the enemy is saying, you know what? We will attack you, stupid dog. We will attack you in the morning. And sometimes in your harvest season, finally victory, warfare. Yeah. That you worked so hard to come to a place of marriage. And you enter marriage and the first thing is battle on battle. But see God's grace. <laughs> Samson says, I know you have surrounded me. He woke up at night. Hey! He woke up at night. And he went and took the gates of Gaza. <laughs> took the gates of Gaza. And took them 64 kilometers. And said, in case the enemy, in case you're trying anything, I just want to demonstrate. But do you know your area of strength is your area of slaughter? Because Samson was slaughtered where he had the biggest demonstration of strength. Because it was in Gaza that they removed his eyes. The enemy is not after your life. The enemy is after your vision because your life is in the hand of God. Because if you can get your vision, if you can get your vision, he can get you. What God said must not be touched. The enemy touches. And God does not stop it. Do you know why? Because it's difficult to cast out a demon you spent the night with. It actually says, for by means of a prostitute, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. Banangi. <laughs> Wonder keys. Are you hearing a these things? A crust of bread. So anger, pride, lust. One Catholic priest, because you have to study things. One Catholic priest, you, you have heard this phrase called the seven deadly sins. You have heard it, right? It's in the Bible, right? Where? <laughs> it's not in the Bible. This is the Catholic theology. But Proverbs chapter 6 and 7 deals with some sins that God hates, right? But the Catholic theology came up with seven deadly sins. And these seven deadly sins, what they have done is they have searched scripture to check what are some of the sins that can be clustered together. Then they came and said that sins, how sin works, Sin works like relatives, especially Mjalu relatives. Do you know when you bring, if a Mjalu relative comes to my house today, he will call and say, Banangestan TV, another one will come. They keep pulling each other inside. Je Jesus talked about it. He said, if a demon is cast out and come and then the vessel remains empty, what will happen when he comes back? So you find anger. You find you find pride, and where those two are, lust is there. Lust is not sexual desire because lust has an itch that sex cannot scratch. Lust is 
I deserve it. It is my right. It is entitlement. The last of the flesh is entitlement. That is why you will ask questions like, how could you tell that to me? You can't separate anger, pride, and lust. How could you talk to me like that? Who's the center of that sentence? How could you talk to me? So who should we talk to like that? Should we talk to animal? It is you you are talking to. And we are praying that by the time we come to next Sunday, even as our hair is growing, and God is bringing us to a place where we can dream again, you don't have to go through the embarrassment of being molested by the enemy at Gaza. You don't have to go through a place where your place of strength, Pastor Doc, your place of strength becomes your place of weakness and your place of destruction. You will find that people, there are people here who have been called with very amazing visions, but that's where the enemy will fight you the most. Can you imagine, Joy, as we close, can you imagine God says Samson will chase the Philistines, but the enemy says Samson will chase women. It is all chasing. So it's a repurposing of ability. Are you seeing that? That there's a gifting in the inside of you, but that gifting is repurposed. That instead of chasing the enemy, he's chasing the Philistine girls. Somebody said, you know, singing is singing. You church people, you don't know how to pay well. That is why we sing in bars also. It's a repurposing. And there was silence. Let's rise up on our feet as we pray and get ready to close. Are you ready for church next Sunday as we begin to learn this sermon? Have you learned something? Have you learned something? Are you here and you're harboring anger, bitterness, pride? And you know you know that there's relationship that is breaking because of that. I'll request the move just to lead us in a song as we minister to those of us who are so bitter. And sometimes we are bitter because it is within our right. And we are bitter because somebody wronged us. And it is true you are wronged. Listen to me, it is true you deserved better. It is true they should not have talked to you like that but you have allowed anger and bitterness to enter into your heart and you have come to a place of resentment and loathing and you have closed doors that God meant for progress and you have cut relationships that God meant for destiny. I want us to pray today that God will release that burden from your heart, that there shall be restoration, that there shall be a release in your spirit. If that is, you just lift up your hand and begin to receive this prayer from joy. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.